Namaste Jai Hind you're listening to ANI podcast with Smita Prakash Today's guest is Mr Suhail Seth He's a brand strategist he's a writer author uh, you've seen him on television debates he talks about every subject under the sun Suhail is a no holds barred kind of a speaker he will say the most outrageous things on television on camera he believes in what he speaks there was only this one short period where he kind of didn't talk about and even to date uh, he will not speak about it when he came under cloud to some extent because of the me too allegations against him and since it is uh, you know he doesn't want to speak about it uh, he agreed to do this interview with the uh, with the understanding that we will not talk about this issue and he will speak about it when the time is right he says Thank you very much for coming to our studio Suhail. Um nobody will believe that this is the first time I'm meeting you officially. I mean, I must reveal this little bit that uh, I remember when I was in college you were senior to me. You were in Calcutta, I was in Delhi and uh, we were going for an inter-college competition and we got to know that oh there's a team coming in from Calcutta. Kone kone Suhail said all of us deleted our names. I said no 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 not taking part there's But no which question I'm not even telling you <laughs> Jesus and Mary college day Oh so I used to love Jesus and Mary we college We finished we were like absolute mince meat and when I saw our teams competing I said no chance this guy's going to win everything and that's what happening these days when we see you on television it's like doesn't matter what the topic is you just make mince meat about everybody No no no, no. but you know uh, uh, thanks to Delhi colleges I got my first motorcycle. Mm. I bought my first Maruti in those days Deluxe uh, because of the winnings. These were the only colleges which paid uh, cash except for St Stephen's which gave you book vouchers. Uh. Otherwise everyone was paying cash. But you uh, let me start from the beginning. You're quintessentially mm. a Calcutta boy. You take great pride in talking about uh you being, you know, from Calcutta, the the love that you have for that city. Uh we'll come to the Delhi aspect later. Tell us about your life in Calcutta. So I was born uh in Calcutta and uh, my grandfather was one of the first ever Indians to do a joint venture with Roche Pharmaceuticals. Mm. Uh, you know the swiss farmer farmer company and he had a factory in barakpur <clears throat> and then the naxalite movement began mm. and when we were growing up so i was all i was 7 years old 1970 mm. and my grandfather's closest friend was field marshal manikshaw mm. so at that time general manikshaw was the goc in eastern command and he told my grandfather we talking says, about the 70s now 70s he told my grandfather who was called gangaram he says gangaram move him out of calcutta and send him to boarding school mm. so in 71 the year of the bangladesh liberation war i was packed off to st joseph's nainital but calcutta is uh, what gave me the the anchoring and which i tell all young people the only difference between calcutta and other cities is they don't care who you are how much you own how much you earn as long as you can do two things you can speak well and you can be interesting mm. and obviously if you're a foodie it's it's the icing on the cake and we were encouraged uh, to speak to speak out to speak against the establishment mm. <clears throat> i remember when i came back to calcutta from nainital uh, the school principal lamartnia was accused of uh, theft of cameras mm. and you know i rose in the assembly and we created a huge ruckus mm. 
and my school tie was taken away. You know how captain yeah, yeah. tie. Got that. But we didn't care. Mm. So also at that time, remember, Smita, I, you know, you're obviously much younger, but in those days, theater was the elixir of life. So I started doing plays at the age of 12. So by the time I finished with the Calcutta leg, I'd already done about 167 plays. Hmm. Indra Gandhi had banned Bhutto by Ayes Johar. Yeah. Ayes Johar had auditioned me in Bombay. Hmm. And when she banned it, I went to Jyoti Babu. I never knew him, didn't know him at all. Uh, both of us students went to him and I said, Mr. Basu, you run West Bengal. How can Mrs. Gandhi stop a play from being staged? He says, I'm giving you permission, you stage the play. So we were growing up, Smetha, in an environment which allowed you to challenge, mm. which allowed you to disagree without being disagreeable, and it allowed you the fortitude with which you could face the world only because you had knowledge to back you up. But now, in in today's India, or today's world, I wouldn't say just India, it's all wokeism. It's everything has to be politically right. You say one word this way or that way, it could be either an FIR against you or the cancel culture. Do you agree with that, that we are in a very difficult phase? Yeah, and you know, I have to say two things here. Narendra Modi was my briefing client along with Jaitley when I was doing the Vajpayee campaign. I've seen <clears throat> Modi in action Obviously, Jaitley sadly passed away. And I remember in 2008, going to Modi's house in Gandhinagar, after which I wrote an article, so it's all published material, where I said, one day this man will be the prime minister. I have seen the retribution that, say, the topmost person in India has faced because of this cancel culture and wokeism. The good part is Modi ignores it as he should. Hmm. I was in New York, and last week, uh, there was an issue related to Shah Elmi. And people ask, you know... She's said, the BJP spokesperson yeah. in case people don't... <clears throat> I said, just yeah. ignore it. Wokeism is You said nothing. that to Shazia. Ignore to Shazia it. and to the organizers. Okay. Look, there is always there will always be people who will pursue an agenda of their own. Hmm. There's no bigger intolerance hmm. than being intolerant and seemingly coming across as tolerant. So the most intolerant people are the ones actually who praise and who, you know espouse the virtues of tolerance. For instance, I may be allowed any political ideology. I can practice any religion. Hmm. I can eat what I want. Who is someone else to tell me as long as it's not illegal? Okay. Many years ago, I was asked on a program, why do you smoke? I said, I smoke cigarettes. Oh, it's bad for your health. I said, when if it's made illegal, I'll stop. So I have a very clinical view on these matters. And I think more the more we succumb, the more they will trample you. See, it's easy to say uh, don't succumb uh, when it's an individual. But uh, it's become so serious now. You, Anybody uh, eats non-vegetarian or eats beef, cancel culture. You eat, the thing is that why do you talk about eating beef but you don't eat, talk about pork? They have a way of, you know, there is a, there, I can well understand one side saying it, but the cancel culture is what is scary because the right wing, which was a victim of that cancel Correct. culture by the left, now says that, hey, you did this to us, so we'll do it to you. So while, while I understand where they come from, where does this end? If this is how it's going to be. If you recall in those, before uh, the Modi era, before 19... 2014. I'm, uh, the reason I say Modi era is because, you know, 
the right wing started asserting itself a little bit, say, between 2014 to 2016 and talked about this whole Khan market gang and how they had got a kind of a vicious grip over over media, over over the uh, think tanks, over seminar circuit. Everything was, if you were even mildly right wing, there's this, I remember meeting uh, an author in, um, in uh, Washington, D.C. He goes with the Twitter handle called Great Bong. His name is also Arnab. And uh, he told me that publishers wouldn't even consider his books at one point of time when he was writing or even his articles because they was like tone down your right wing otherwise we can't give you op-ed space we like what you write but we can't give you op-ed space this is how it used to be before 2014 i met him before 2014 but sure enough 2014 comes and the everything changes he finds a publisher he finds op-ed space but there is the other thing that happens right the right wing is now out there writing their op-ed pieces and they are now critical of the left wing guys so where does this end how does it how does there a balance come about so i think that's a brilliant question now let me tell you where it'll end nowhere mm. because it's going to perpetuate itself until people like you and i will see through uh, the nonsense and we'll be able to sift through the the facade what is happening is as you rightly said, there is an assertion. This is the era of assertion. Hmm. You're asserting yourself, they're asserting themselves. Also remember, liberals have a very fine way of assertion. They believe in social ostracization. Yeah. The right wing is still dumb enough not to know how to do it. Hmm. I've always said that there's no point getting upset with the New York Times and the Washington Post. You either engage with them or you let them be. The day you tell someone I'm upset with you means that person is relevant to you. Irrelevance, Smitha, is the worst thing. You know, many years ago, I think it was George Bernard Shaw who says, you can love me or hate me, but don't be Ignoring. indifferent. Okay. Indifference is what the right wing must now learn to practice. Also, I have a sneaky feeling that many a time, the right wing sometimes wants the endorsement of the liberals. Yes, I agree with which, you. Which, by the way, is suicidal. Why would you want the endorsement of anyone? And I've always said, you know, I was asked this question uh, in New York. People said, oh, but Modi. I said, when I last checked, he's won two general elections. Mm. We are a democracy. Mm. If you decry him, mm. you're actually decrying democracy. Mm. And you're decrying the mandate of a large section of Indians who have voted him. He has not sneaked through the back door. I can understand when, say, a think tanker or a policy wonk uh, says that this is not the India that ought to be. Because think tankers tend to think they know a lot of what India ought to be, what corporate India ought to be, what media ought to be. They are the ones who are the gyanis. What about journalists? How can journalists not accept a mandate? If today Rahul Gandhi wins three elections, state elections, say he wins Gujarat, he wins Himachal Pradesh, he wins the next election that happens, the state election that happens. If he wins that, will you continue to, will anybody, any in their sane mind, continue to, you know, say that he's a, he's a nut job, he's a this, he's a that. No, he's winning elections, which means people believe Absolutely. in him, right? So I can't understand journalists who, you know, say this, this is not right. But you know, <clears throat> what did you see between 1952 and 2014? You saw political patronage of the worst kind. You replaced the royals with the political royalty. Hmm. And they gave you largesse. They took you on Air India 1. Yeah. They allowed you 
their junkets. Even uh, Atalji allowed this. Yeah. What did Modi say? He says, I don't care. And what Modi has done is what these guys needed a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Now, I I'll give you examples. I know of several people, Smitha, who using their journalistic tag or their accreditation were staying in government-sponsored bungalows and homes sure. without paying a dime. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. They were close to the powers that be. You saw there was a political, there was a famous, uh, so-called famous lady journalist on television who said, I make and break cabinets. It's another matter that she got 24 people killed uh, at the chambers because of a reckless and insensitive reportage on 2611, which I was witness to. So point I'm making is those days of entitlement are over. Now, all that needs to be communicated, and this is where this government is perhaps its weakest. The individuals in this government are great communicators, but the government as a whole is weak. Why should they even talk about right wing? What has Modi done with the Padma Awards? He has created a democracy of awards that you and I couldn't imagine. Earlier, people would write to me, people would call you up saying, Mira Naam, I would always tell people that if I even endorse it, you, there, that's a sure sign of not you getting it. You won't get it. it. <laughs> but you know how the thing yeah. worked? Yes, I do. Today, yes. it is actually a meritocracy. Yeah. But no one talks about it. Yeah. Today, you can be the poorest of the poor, the commonest of the common, and yet if you achieve something, you will get it. You can write six op-ed columns praising Modi, but you will not get a Padma Award. This is what has the message... Which or Rajya Sabha. Or Rajya Sabha. This is the best message that could have gone out. I mean, I am supremely happy that this has happened. But then, of course, I'm not the... Thing. You are the brand consultant. Now, you know, let me get on to... Uh, before I get on to the corporate sector, let me just get on to the political parties. You've talked about what what could go, what BJP does wrong or what the BJP government does wrong at the center uh, or even the right wing does wrong. What about these single man band parties, right? Their image is of like, okay, Mamta heads TMC, it's be, be all and end all, right? Uh, the BSP, the SP, the uh, KCR's party, TRS, there's uh, Stalin in the South. There's, you know, everybody, all these regional parties, so-called regional, they're actually single-man man. Even a Sharad Pawar is a single-man man. Absolutely. Man, right? How, but in spite of that, they get elected. They don't even need a branding. That one-person brand is enough. Isn't that a little bizarre? No, but you know, you'll be surprised. Mamta Banerjee has a very strong brand within Bengal. Hmm. <coughs> Sharad Pawar is seen as the great Maratha. Hmm. But you're right. These are not pan-national parties. You know, ironic as it may sound, the only pan-national party Congress, is, led, is led by a guy who's better off sitting in a boat which he never has to row. Hmm. And no pun intended on that snake ladder boat. But that's the tragedy. Yeah. The tragedy is that that is the only pan-national party. Right. The others are parties which fight elections because they have funds. The other person you have to watch out for, because as my grandmother would use a word for him, he's a misna, is Arvind Kejriwal. That is such a Punjabi thing to but say. She was Punjabi, as yeah. I am too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he is the biggest misna that you have to watch out for, for hmm. two reasons. Number one, he's obviously got money. Hmm. And now he's got two states under his belt. He understands the game. He has plied certain sections of the media with lots of advertising money. Yeah. And, you know, that's what, you, what you've got to be worried about. Because he understands the game that is being played qua the media. Mm. And you rightly mentioned, how irresponsible has the liberal media been in the most recent reportage on Bhagwatman? Mm. There's been complete radio silence. Why? 
because they applied with advertising money. So the question that then needs to be asked, Smitha, is, as Kushro Irani famously said of the statesman many years ago, he says the press in India is as free as it chooses to be. And I'm not saying this because I'm sitting here. You run one of the most formidable agencies, you know, in terms of news agencies. You know better than I do that the pulls and pressures sometimes are highly exaggerated. Sometimes television channels want to tow a particular line because they're looking for benefits which have nothing to do with news gathering. Someone may want land for a university. Someone may want land for this. Someone may want land for that. Yeah, if it's not a purely uh, news-owned organization, exactly. then yes. I mean, and many channels, mind you, are owned by rice exporters, builders, politicians. So they have their own compulsions. That I agree. But... Uh, and even newspapers, I shouldn't say just news. So that's where I think social media has come in. Let me tell you, even uh, like uh, when we're talking about the media in the past, there are many, um, many presumptions that I myself had, which I used to think that's the way it's done. Till social media came in and I there was a lot of reality check and literally learning every day. You know, yeah. uh, that, oh my God, what I was doing was wrong. What I was thinking was wrong. And this comes in when an ordinary person tells you that, uh, you know, this is elitism that, you know, you are, you don't even realize it, that what you were seeing or what you were doing was wrong. And then it just comes back to me. I think social media is a great leveler. Yeah, but I'll only tell people like you, because you're in the in the field, don't give too much credence to social media. Okay. If you look at the numbers it's almost about 2% of your population. So it really doesn't matter. Twitter wars can be fought between people who have nothing else to do. Hmm. B, social media has a way of creating pressure groups where none should exist. The third is the anonymity. The anonymity allows them to say reckless things. Sure. When the government created controls or wanted to create controls, I was all for it. And someone said, oh, you're in for censorship? I said, I'm sorry. Platforms cannot be used to incite and create hatred. Platforms cannot be used to peddle fake news. Then there must be some mechanism of retribution. Either the platform should be made responsible or people using the platform should be made responsible. Hmm. Tomorrow someone makes an allegation against you or me or person X or person Y. There is what nothing. recourse do I have? There is nothing. I mean, uh, this whole fact checker business, I'm not even going to get into it because then, you know, it becomes impossible because then... And who's given them the darza ki bhi aap best fact checker ho? Uh -huh. Who are Correct. you to tell me that your facts are the perfect facts? And they choose the facts which they want to Absolutely. pick. Absolutely. And that choosing is based on ideology. It's not choosing based on what is news. It's choosing based on, okay, this suits me ideologically. This suits me religion-wise, caste-wise, whatever. And that's why I'm going to fact check or not fact check it. That. That bothers me. No, so which is why the point that you raised earlier is very interesting. The idea of India existed before we became free. We're now all excited about India at 75 and we'll get excited at India at 100. The point is, if you look back, you pull back a bit, what have you actually celebrated in India at 75? Modi's done a remarkable job by at least branding it. Hmm. You know, Azadi ka uh, Amrit uh, Mahotsav. But if you look at the communication, it's been pathetic. Mm -hmm. Now you tell me, Tagore, Bankim Chandra Chatterjee, whether it was Swami Vivekananda, Sri Aurobindo, the zillions of people across, Amrita Pritham, 
they were all contributors to the shaping of the thinking that made us who we are. Hmm. And I'm talking even go back further, go back 3,000 years ago. Hmm. My belief is that the time has come for us to celebrate Indianness. The tragedy is the left believes that Indianness is nationalistic and nationalism is right-wing. They forget that patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, not nationalism. Yeah, that's parsing the word because not many people get into the intellectual aspect of because it. Because they right? don't read. They don't read. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm dealing with, even in the corporate world, I'm dealing with 99% uh, people who are absolute idiots. But you can't say that to them because some, some of them, you know, uh, you, you need to respect. So when you're doing branding, uh, you know, your ideal ideology negative right you don't even think that about the ideology of a, of your client you don't think about the religiosity or non-religious or agnostic or whatever it doesn't matter to you right what happens when you go in to talk about branding of a political party if you get a client if you have to advise a client does it matter which whether no. you believe in no but see that's why i've done uh, uh ji i did uh sheila dikshit the whole the word bhagidari was given by me I treat it as an assignment. Okay. I don't treat it, and you're absolutely right. I'm completely politically Agnostic. neutral. Okay. And I've always been. Hmm. Because frankly, I'm more interested in great food than a great political party. Because no matter which political party comes, they will tax the hell out of me. Yeah. So I really don't care. Okay. What I worry about are political parties which are insidious. Hmm. To my mind, and with all grave responsibility, I will say Ahmadmi Party has become insidious. Insidious why? When you raise alarmist bugles, when you try and be anti-establishment for the sake of being anti-establishment, when you bitch out every institution that is that is germane to the functioning of a democracy, then you're insidious. Now, you may be insidious because Fear of elections. Fear gets votes, right? Fear gets votes. But you know, Smitha, yeah. that's the I problem. I know, it's the danger, I get it. But what I'm trying to say is, it's not as if he's inventing, reinventing the wheel. No, no. He knows internationally what has but, happened, right? But you see, that's the problem. Today, if you look at what's happening in America... There was a time six months ago when I told people that if Trump stood in 2024, he will win. But if you see some of the endorsements of the candidates he's had from the grand old party, people are losing. Why? Ultimately, people want a level of happiness and comfort. Now, the other day, someone on television said, so many high net worth individuals have left India since Modi came. My response was, I'm so delighted. Because the people who have left were non-contributory in any which way. They were people who were either skimming off the surface, they were people who were violating laws of this land, and they have left for better climes. To now say that the government must not take action. Now, the other thing which, which you alluded to, people like Mamta Banerjee say, oh, the agencies are attacking politicians. If politicians are making money, the agencies will attack you. Hmm. The CBI or the ED <clears throat> didn't put 70 crores in someone's house. It was there. It was unaccounted for. Now, should our agencies stop working, even if it is for political reasons, and uh, allow corruption to be condoned? You know, Sohail, uh, many years ago, I met with this uh, guy. He's a, he's a businessman, industrialist, and uh, said that I want my son. The son was in college. And he says, uh, uh, want him to get into politics. Jesse khatam karta hai, usko politics mein dalna hai. So I said, mm. like, why? You know, contribute. He said, no, because all businesses uh, need one one person in politics to safeguard what you have and two for expansion because all businesses are politicians either benami 
or they own it. True. So this was quite a while ago, which made me think that what what are we getting at? You need you need to get into public service to safeguard an existing business. It sounded ghastly. But you know, look at the logic. It sounds miserable, but look at the logic. How much money do people have to spend in order to fight an election? It's way beyond the prescribed limit by the election commission. Sure. Today, the election commission says instead of 20,000, 2,000 is the cash uh, amount, cash yeah. remittance. All these political parties are minting money. Hmm. Now, if I have to spend 10, 15 crores, I'm going to recover that 15 crores. How am I going to recover it? Not by being Mother Teresa. I will recover it in some form or the other. Hmm. Who will I recover it from? People like you and me. Hmm. Well, certainly not the two of us because I, I won't even sure. pay a dime. Yeah. But that's that's how the whole recovery yeah. process begins. Yeah. So my belief is that until and unless you make electoral funding really severe, look at England, for example. In any constituency you stand for in England, you can't spend more than 30,000 pounds. That's the limit. And they are hawkish about it. Hmm. Even if you spend one pound more, you can actually be debarred. We have to follow that. And trust me, that day is not far. Hmm. You know, I advise the Tatas, I advise my... If you see the Tatas, they have a transparent way of funding elections, which is based on two principles, track record and what achievements have you made from your last electoral winnings to the present. And it's all mathematically uh, uh, attributable. So there's no... But you're talking about a Tata, right? At the, at the grassroots level, when an MLA election, a panchayat election, yeah. that's where all... You You're can't right. have these kind of rules. You know, your corporate rules are different. But all the money is actually coming in from the street, you know, where, where the shopkeepers... Yeah, but you know, what Modi... But, them, see, right? but see, what Modi's done, and I've said this publicly, it is by far the cleanest cabinet India's ever had. Hmm. Ever. Yeah, I believe there is, in this cabinet or in this government, uh, the rule is that even the slightest bit of taint and you'll have to leave. So they, yeah. there is this fear of danda all the time. And I'm so glad. Now, are people making money? Some are making money in the name of the party. Some bureaucrats must be making money or, you know, hmm. people in certain departments or whatever. But I can tell you, and I advise some of the biggest industrialists in the country, each one has said, which means we don't need to go to Delhi ever again. Hmm. Earlier, That's euphemism for lining to, pockets. Lining pockets or, you know, paying obeisance. Right. Today, the fact that Modi doesn't meet individual industrialists and will only meet you in groups or the fact that they've given a lot of credence to the Fikis, CIIs, Asochams of the world, they are interested in policy. Once the policy is laid down, it doesn't matter who you are, what dispensation you come from. And this whole nonsense that Rahul Gandhi started, now that we're talking about corporates, about Adani and Ambani, two things. Number one, Rahul Gandhi, even if he tried hard, he wouldn't be able to employ a single person with an honest day's salary. Number two, why do you begrudge people who are doing well for the country? You know, Adani hasn't, again, come out, you know, stolen from a bank or done dacoity, neither has Ambani. Why do you constantly berate your own industrialists? Today, it's just these two. Tomorrow, it'll spread. And you will start having people at state levels. So suppose a Smita Prakash doesn't pay money to a Mamta Banerjee. Mamta will start saying, ah, Smita is bad. 
there is no end to this hmm. so you know um, we were talking about uh, this whole adani ambani business which uh, rahul gandhi keeps saying and even um, uh, aam aadmi party all their leaders of aam aadmi party they keep saying that uh, suit boot ki sarkar bhi thi and then they kept saying that it's industrialists who run this government so there's this whole movement towards an anti industrialist or just two people becoming richer whereas most of india is becoming poorer the congress even celebrated the prime minister's birthday as berozgar berozgari divas if i'm not mistaken so on the other hand people you know say that you're crushing wealth you know those who are wealth creators job creators you're going after them so tell me is what is the right way what is so the- let me give you facts today reliance industries is the second largest employer of indians and is the largest employer of indians in the private sector in september 2015 on the 5th radhakrishnan ji's birthday when mukesh launched jio it dropped pricing in compared terms by almost 60% so today india is the world's leading digitized economy i mean even germany can't get its goddamn payment uh, uh, portals right who did that a mugesham money now you tell me there was airtel there was vodafone there were other players today what has happened airtel is doing brilliantly vodafone ideas in trouble as they should be because of perhaps their service levels or whatever today you have jio you have airtel has airtel been wiped out no adani when adani actually made his initial money it was during the congress days please understand he's in the infrastructure business for a port to materialize it takes about 14 to 15 years let's say he fast tracks it and does it in 9 years it's still before modi came to power it's very easy for rahul gandhi or for anyone to take pot shots it's the same mamta banerji who's reckless irresponsible member of parliament made comments about adani who was the chief guest at the global business summit where i was also present gautam adani so if they don't like him why do they take his money If Rahul Gandhi doesn't like Adani, why does Ashok Gehlot invite him to Rajasthan? Please also remember, I can understand political compulsions, but when political compulsions become personal, they can go personal as well. Where did Rahul Gandhi and his family for years get money for their elections? Did they go to Fiji or New Zealand? No, they got it from these people. Hmm. Who was who? Who did Ahmed Patel? Uh, who supported Ahmed Patel Sikh all the time? From Dhirumar Ambani's time, he sought their. Uh, uh you know support and patronage i think corporate india is doing a fabulous job ab today the tata group under chandra and i'm deeply in i know they've done fabulously well now will you say that uh, modi is also supporting the tata group when the cyrus mystery case happened hmm. it went right up to the supreme court it went through all the uh, uh, the procedure and when the house of tata won would you say that oh modi got it done I mean, this is ridiculous. And let me tell you, this suit boot ki sarkar comment delayed reforms by two years. And I know because Jaitley was finance minister, mm. and nobody wanted this. I will give you a fact. Gautam Adani has never spoken about it, but I can tell you it's hundred percent true. He owns the airport in Jaipur. He also owns the airport in Ahmedabad. He won't put his name there, because obviously politicians must have told him ki apna naam mat dalo. We'll get into trouble. Mm. I mean, this is ridiculous. here is a person the bids are transparent it's not as if you know uh, he's taken the airport under subterfuge he's in the infrastructure business 
look at mukesh so tell me in this uh, would you advise uh, what he did was right it's it's political expediency you get no, the I business no i think what he's done no what rahul gandhi has done is terrible no, i'm talking about say an adani not putting the name you know not doing not it not at all because i'll tell you one thing and this is what i wanted to allude to earlier you can only succumb to logic the day you succumb to blackmail there'll be no stopping you they will blackmail you for everything they will hold you to ransom intellectually they will hold you to ransom monetarily they'll hold you to ransom spiritually hmm. do you want that hmm. and which is why i say this discussion in public domains on religion is a travesty of who we really are hmm. we should not be talking about that i should not worry if smita eats beef or eats pork or eats chicken or eats gobi i should be worried if smita doesn't have enough food on her on plate it. to eat Very that well should put. be my worry true very well put another question which i've you know it it really uh, touched my heart is when you what you said about junjunwala you know he uh, he made many people wealthy which which uh, not many people know those who are not you know dealing with the stock market or do, don't know about him we saw those pictures of him with the prime minister and knew that he was not keeping good health you interacted with him in the last uh, several times in fact the day he met the prime minister <clears throat> that evening he had come home to gurgaon for dinner and i warned him not the first time i told him i said you got to take it easy he was a severe diabetic in fact he had a diabetic foot hence the wheelchair but you know rakesh was a different and is a different human being i can never even talk about him in the past in the tense past. his life was so wedded to the idea of a successful entrepreneurial driven india hmm. i never saw that in too many people a b what i loved about him is you say this about me i used to say this about him reckless enjoyed his life and was epicurean to a point that you know who knows tomorrow so eat drink as much as you can today what i always worried about and and i told him so in so many words was his complete disregard for health hmm. or for fitness you know i'm not exactly adonis you know i'm overweight but at least i'm fit in the sense i'm healthy i work out i swim blah 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 he had no interest hmm. he was a great giver he was a superb philanthropist he gave money to ashoka he uh, set up foundations he set up schools but here's the tragedy of what use is all of that when you disregard your own health and today he leaves behind a wife he leaves behind a daughter who's uh, 17 or so two boys who are 13 i mean this was a man who was a genuine giver hmm. you know of him i've always said he was one of the finest optimists that you would want to put in a room anywhere to promote brand india okay he was not only indian in his outlook in his eating habits in everything he was a committed indian in terms of india's potential hmm. he genuinely believed that india will india can and india must outlive the potential that its most formidable uh, supporters have given it even you are like that very unabashed about your uh, about your belief in brand india i Rick love my country i i love it to the point that sometimes the stupidities that it is infected with uh, make me very angry Hmm. like i i i'm saying this to you i've written about it it'll be published in a while i've said that brand india at 75 could have been a celebration of such a different kind
but you know we turned it into an we turned it like event managers and this is my problem with governments see remember one thing modi is a very astute marketing man very astute he understands both optics and the outreach but when you give it to babus they don't they treat it as an event now you tell me you have two nehru centers across the world one in moscow one in london what are they they're known for samosas and pathetic wine i could have done an outreach which would have been so remarkable in celebrating india why i would have first celebrated democracy the day i would have celebrated democracy in washington and in new york in london and in moscow i would willy nilly be celebrating modi so all his people in the government who would like to suck up to him should have realized mm. that a celebration of democracy is actually a celebration of electoral politics over dictatorial politics plus what do we do in our soft pass mitha we talk about bollywood that's it we have sundry literary festivals but where are the hari prasad chaurasias who are still alive we do a film on uh, india at 75 which is a poor copy of milesur mera tumhara this is a film which should not have had kapil dev although i love him it should not have had all these celebrities it should have had the same padma awardees who you and i don't know hmm. but who we would have come to know through whom you would have admired the diversity of india both in potential as well as linguistically and culturally we let that opportunity pass so my belief is that this country has so much potential we've got great people we've got great human beings you know people have asked me i mean i've advised governments abroad people said why don't you become a british citizen why i would never give up this country why because a i was born here b i don't belong to india or india belongs to me we have a common dna mm -hmm. and i've often said that india is like the bumblebee aerodynamically the bumblebee can't fly but you know the bumblebee doesn't know that so it flies happily okay. so for all the cynics who say are india nahi kar payega india ne kiya hai aur ha unemployment hai berozar berozgari hai kaun se desh mein nahi hai today america is battling an 8.3% inflation what we did during the pandemic i was the biggest critic in wave 2 when we ran short of uh, 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 oxygen and we ran short of uh, ventilators but we triumphed so you don't think as many in the opposition say that the idea of india is being altered and it's under threat who are they the idea of india belongs to every indian who the hell is jairam ramesh or sitaram yechuri or for that matter anyone in the bjp to say this is one idea of india india's ideas are pluralistic india is not monolithic in either its outlook or in its construct india is a celebration of diversity india is a celebration of contrarian thought i mean the fact that we are today celebrating netaji we are also celebrating mahatma gandhi we are also celebrating sardar patel now it's another matter that sometimes we make dead people fight that's another matter but the okay. point is we are celebrating our diversity <clears throat> and why shouldn't we hmm. but i'm saying celebrate the scholarship of india okay. our lives will go our cars will shrink or cars will vanish the idea of india will only remain if we anchor the idea of india in the ideas that made india for that you will need scholarship you won't need bravado you know there are n number of people who say that uh, suhail lives his life 
large like a like a malya of the corporate oh, yeah, world no. huh? you love your parties you love your you love your friends you love that that high profile lifestyle that you led there was there was no way you got affected by this wokeism at any point of time to be correct no so <clears throat> two things number one i live within my means obviously i don't even have i don't even have 0.001 paisa of debt when i say debt even my credit card owings number 2 what is the harm hmm. i'm not cheating i've not stolen anyone's money i've not done a single deal i've not fixed anything i'm abusing most people on television but people also realize that in friendship it is always unconditional hmm. now in my house people come from different dispensations you would have an artist you would have a musician you would have a philosopher you'd have a poet so it's not that we are making any distinction ki bhi hame and i wrote in my book in my first book i said never make clients out of friends only make friends out of clients because the day you start doing the former you're in trouble when it comes to uh, bollywood when you talk about the uh, the bombay film industry the bombay. right this whole thing about nepotism casting couch it's become again this cancel culture is coming in we're saying oh everybody is hiring only people who they know uh you know your uncle <laughs> your this so this whole cancel culture comes in even there this nepotism bit as far as nepotism is concerned who would you much rather work with you'd work with people you know hmm. especially in the film industry to now say nepotism bhai there's always been nepotism yeah if there was no nepotism there'd be no bobby with See, rishi there kapoor there was always is is a, i had pavan varma in the on the show uh and we were talking about this whole thing that we it's always been there so why not right uh it's always been there the yash chopras and the, you know the all the other producers it's been there in south india too Correct. in the south indian film industry it's been there in bureaucracy too and ics officers law, law. it's there in law journalism <laughs> journalism right in see in the private sector it's there agreed that you'd rather hire somebody you'd rather but then ultimately it's the balance sheet if if the son of an industrialist doesn't bring about the results he is not ceo anymore somebody else is appointed True. because you know your balance sheet is killing and you're it. responsible to your yeah. shareholders the same in bollywood is that agar uh mr chopra's son doesn't bring about three hits after a while he can't last a mr bachchan's son if he doesn't bring if he brings flop after flop he's not going to get producers so the advantage is only it gives you a foot in the door look hmm. at tushar kapoor for instance yeah i have no comment on his acting abilities but he comes from great stock yeah jitender's son ekta's brother yeah where is he yeah uday chopra where is he yeah so let me tell you it might give you a foot in the door but it doesn't guarantee you a station in life but in bureaucracy in politics it does in bureaucracy uh see in Based even politics in the are nurturing na i'm nurturing a constituency let's imagine huh. i have a constituency called x hmm. and i worked in that constituency for let's say 30 40 years and my daughter says i'd also work there she's perhaps seen me work she's walked the streets with me it'll be much easier for her than for an outsider ab you're absolutely right that's human behavior we love legacy building 
but not anymore those those walls that's what i feel that the change is happening see when i started in journalism uh when i was doing beat journalism at one point of time so the who is doing the foreign beat or even now who does the defense beat children of defense service Correct. officers who does the foreign beat uh, sons and daughters of of, I, of, of ifs officers ifs officers Absolutely. right they are doing that so what happens oh uncle will give me an interview auntie will give me an interview those uncles and aunties also they have gone to those exact same schools Correct. they have taken the uh, civil services exam old, old boys network old yeah. boys network they have the same they go to gymkhana club india international yeah. center they have that so regardless if you are mediocre you will get the plum postings of london uh, new york washington dc and maybe one neighborhood posting which is considered a punishment posting in foreign office you'll get that if you're in the ias and you could belong to the cadre where actually you should be in the northeast no you will keep the but house in delhi but that's but that's but it's changing so here i am noticing well, that well yeah see under this prime minister in our country it's changing hmm. but look at what's happening abroad yeah i mean you still think that in in uh, western democracies that look at england hmm. they decried boris johnson and they said na the old etonian network and they actually said of the last 15 prime ministers since winston churchill seven are from the same school so let me tell you the old boys network is still alive and kicking i mean okay, if you, it's not crumbling anymore not at and it won't okay because ultimately if you look at it from a human perspective or a consumer perspective we are ultimately animals of social captivity we are Explain. captive so we are captive to our societal hmm. uh, uh, radius hmm. you will feel very uncomfortable if i sandy acha why is there this bad habit in delhi especially you ask someone to dinner they'll always ask you aur kon aa raha hai aur kon so that's very delhi right but it's now uh, bombay too it's bombay too it's okay. it's it's now a na- national disease okay and the reason why they ask is because of their lack of either scholarship or their lack of the or their ability to talk they want to be in what i call comfortable zones or are they just nervous being seen with x or y because no, no, these no. days that they don't care because today they might be with someone that person might go to jail tomorrow they won't know <laughs> okay so that they're not worried about they are worried about what we call a threatening environment hmm. so howard schultz who founded uh, starbucks when asked why did you create starbucks he says there's the office and then there's the home and then there's the third place So Starbucks was the third place where you didn't feel threatened you didn't have to live up to any expectations and nothing was asked of you mm-hmm. so the concept of the third place still doesn't exist in our lives on a day to day basis okay so we are animals of social captivity mm. we are captive to social norms social behavior mm. yeah, people even make pretense i mean i don't want to name names but i've said that there are bollywood actors who even charge uh to be present at a funeral hmm. now why would someone pay them because that person is seeking social acceptance okay today if you see the sense of entitlement is no longer stature driven it is actually money driven if you see the people who frequent five star hotels today hmm. from what they used to do 10 years ago because people are no longer ashamed of their linguistic skills or their inability yeah. to speak english amar singh used to say this too where he used to say that <coughs> when he used to i mean he said he, charcha parcha kharcha kharcha <laughs> yeah agar teen cheeze hain to so yeah. today people are not bothered today a guy who has the money hmm. knows he has the access hmm. 
earlier, the guy who had the money may not have had the access and he'd feel a bit diffident. Today, no one feels diffident. So you feel that, you know, uh, uh, there was a time when um, Mr. Modi came in. I also remember the time when Mr. Gadkari was, you know, became president of BJP. And, you know, he used to drink saucer uh, uh, chai dalke. He would sip it. And, of course, everybody in Delhi used to titter and laugh about it because, you know, it was like, oh, my God, what is this he's doing? Because Delhi is a very, uh, you quick know... Quick to, to judge. To, yeah, quick to judge on these things, right? Where it is so common in Bombay to do this. Even an industrialist would do it in Bombay and nobody would even blink. But in Delhi, you know, these thunta uh, <laughs> habits, you know, like you... you As uh, Pavan was saying the other day, and he said, like, you know, there's, there's that one guy who said, oh, he's HMT, Hindi medium type. Or it's the worst was URT, Urdu medium type. You know, my so, God. Yeah. So thank God I don't know who Pavan meets nowadays. <laughs> so this is no. He's talking about his era in uh, when he was in the foreign in the service. foreign service. So at that time, which is true, but you remember when you were in college also. You know, there was this whole thing about salwar kameez penke aage to you won't you won't make it to the right crowd. No, no, but college, I remember. Huh? Yeah, college Delhi, Saint Stephen's. I was walking to speak at the Mukherjee Memorial. And I was wearing a khadi kurta with blue jeans and kovadis, bata kovadis sandals. And one guy says, Gaon se aayo, kurte mein. Mm. When I won the debate and I came down and I said, see, I won the debate. So he says, kabhi kabhi hum log gaon walon ko bhi chance dete. So the arrogance was stupendous. Yeah, but in college, to some extent, men could wear jeans and kurta because there was still that leftist element yeah. to... And, and the jhola. And the jhola. There was still that thing that even if you didn't believe in leftist ideology, you still wore it to get accepted to get by accepted. the leftist. And this, I noticed that it was only in some campuses where it wasn't visible, which was maybe in Stephens and maybe in an IIT, maybe in the technical colleges. But across India, that was the attire. No longer. No, now, see, so a lot has changed in India. Number one, let me analyze it just from a, from a sociological point of view. The Indian of today versus the Indian 10 years ago is 700% more confident. Hmm. Number two, we have decried a lot of the social mores. See the matrimonial column ads in those days. You had to be, they would ask for IS, IFS, doctor, lawyer. Today they don't care. Number three. Seven-figure, eight-figure salary is what matters. It no, is, and the sense of entitlement has gone. There was no EMI in those days, right? You lived within your means. But that's my worry also. Yeah. Because I'm seeing, yeah. especially in Delhi, the amount of social pressure on materialism is causing great damage. Plus, parenting is being outsourced. You know, in our times, if you took a tutor, you you'd are be ashamed. talking about uh, materialism. I think, I mean, everybody knows, right? And you yourself love your hedonistic life. But I've so earned it. You've earned it. So then, I've earned it, and I'm, so I'm, I, I'm happy driving. I go in autos if I can get an auto quickly in Bombay outside yeah. Tad Lansen, hmm. because we've been there, done that. Hmm. You know, I drive a Kia, and I'm very proud to. People say, "Oh, you used to have a Maybach. What happened?" I said. You know, I find a Kia more comfortable, which I do. You probably not get kidnapped. No, forget kidnapped. <laughs> you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Okay. Ultimately, you will not take anything with you. Where are you most comfortable? Calcutta, Gurgaon, New York? I'm comfortable Bombay. everywhere because I have great friends. Okay. And I have great other interests. So in New York, I have my place to see in the evening. I have the opera to go to. In London, the same. You have great friends. You're not hanging around only with the NRI crowd, you know, waiting to have just your 
usual Indian food. But the point is, in order to be that, you've actually got to be interested in things. You know, I still work towards finishing one book a day. But people say, how can you finish a book a day? You have to make the time. Hmm. So a lot of chaps will what say, oh, what is the creative the... pursuit that you really like? Is oh, it... I love theatre. Theatre. Theatre, debating, elocution, writing. Hmm. So, you know, half the jokers will not know. So they will say, oh, he became this or he became that. Yeah, we've been there, done that for ages. When bloody television began, pardon the uh, the French, when television began, I was doing youth time debates then, yeah, on Durdarshan. Yes. So it's no, it's, now people say, oh, you're on television. I said, yeah, now we are at the fag end of our lives on television. Plus, we knew when to get off. Yeah. In college. 13 episodes and you were done and you had to work towards the next 13 episodes. No, no, and in college, the day I finished my graduation, I never came back and uh, uh, spoke in any inter-college event. There were people who were taking part even during their MAs because of the money or the fame or whatever. Hmm. Hmm. I said, no, I've done my graduation. I'm out. It's very important to know when to stop. Okay. Because this is a mindless uh, rush towards avarice of a kind that you and I can't define. Hmm. The other thing is, and, and I bemoan the fact that this is happening, the young of today are unable to communicate because of a lack of scholarship. Today, communication, oh, what's up, bro? How do you respond to that? Hmm. How do you respond to someone, or kya ho Not reading. That's become a major thing with and not parents and not listening. They're hearing because that's a non-cognitive function. Yeah. But they're not listening. Hmm. St and look at what's happening. You and I both take part in these debates. Right. Satire is gone. Humor is gone. No, it's not there. Have you noticed, not just satire no. and humor gone, everybody is so scared that one sentence this way or that way can lead you can lead into an FIR that there are many experts now who people viewers probably don't realize but they're reading it out of a computer they're not speaking there like you speak and then I speak right I react to an anchor who you know or Nub or Navika or whatever asks a question and I react to that question they don't they have a script prepared and they're reading Why? it out because they're scared one they're, they're not confident, like you were saying, because they come, they're not sure what kya puchhenge, right? So they come prepared with, this is what I have to say, and I'm going to say this regardless of what the question <laughs> is. And I'm noticing That's that... bizarre. That they're not all that erudite when you meet them in real life, but on television, suddenly they're spouting shairi and they're quoting and everything. This is straight out of a computer which is kept in front of them. And we don't realize it or viewers don't realize it. But it's only when I meet them, I realize, my goodness, this person really cannot speak. He's speaking out of that, either for fear of being misquoted or picked up by these so-called fact-checkers who are agenda artists who want to cancel you out of these debates. <laughs> or else they but you know, I've them. never touched one I've not been cancelled out because, frankly, I don't care. You don't care, yeah. A, B, everyone knows I have zero malice. I have no agenda. Mm. Whatever's happened to me in my life, I've always reacted in the same way that you let it pass because okay. you know a fight never helps anyone hmm. viciousness and vitriol never help you I have often used humor or satire you know in television debates because I think everyone is so angry hmm. and the I wrote an article many weeks ago I called us us the Republic of rage hmm. 
I said, everyone's angry. आप गाड़ी में जा रहे हो द गाय बिहाइंड इज एंग्री बिकॉज यूर नॉट मूविंग बट हाउ कैन यू मूव इफ द ट्रैफिक लाइट इज रेड आई फ्रेंकली गेट एंग्री जस्ट वेटिंग फॉर फोर्टी मिनट्स waiting for my turn to speak that makes me angry nothing else now can you imagine <laughs> so uh, so hell the other thing is that you know as in in our profession uh, because the you know news moves so quickly i i've noticed journalists as they become older they keep bemoaning about the good old yester years that was true journalism today it's not that's rubbish do you feel like that no, in no. in your profession no. too no so oh so two things When we did advertising, my contemporary was Piyush Pandey. Hmm. So Piyush and I used to work on clients together. It is a different ball game, Smitha. We walked in like lions. Hmm. What was my salary? Six thousand rupees a month. Hmm. But we walked in as if we owned the place. Today, an agency walks into a client's office as if they are servile, as if they are supplicants. Hmm. So I've always told people in advertising today, and I left advertising in two thousand and six. I said, you know, when we walked in, the clients would respect us because we had a point of view. And if the client didn't like it, we'd tell him lump it and we'd walk out. Today, everyone is scared. Yar, dunya kya bolgi? Business we'll lose. You only have to compromise on one thing: not compromising. The day you compromise, you will be trampled. And you know, there are people who will walk all over you. So what I'm seeing today is different. I'm seeing it different in advertising. I'm seeing marketing change. More and more people are not spending as much time in understanding consumer behavior as much as they should. People have stopped reading. Where is journalism today? I think the journalist of today is under far greater pressure than he or she has ever been. Okay. As you said, of the immediacy. Hmm. Plus, you're being bombarded. Yeah. When do you? When was the last time you actually read a printed newspaper cover to cover? Because you didn't need to. You're getting. real time news on twitter and i'm you know uh, it's like an overload at my age i'm finding this that i have the newspaper in front of me and i'm seeing the article but instead of reading it there i move to my laptop and i type that because my eye is reading a typed word faster than a newspaper there you are there you are so i was the only i'm the only person who whether in london or in new york You subscribe. The hotels have instructions to give me printed newspapers. But that's like we are dinosaurs who are still subscribing no, we are not. to newspapers. No, we're not. We are the people who genuinely believe in the printed yeah. word. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. I think journalists today have a far greater challenge. Yeah. They have a challenge of being judged immediately. They have a challenge of these so-called fact checkers. One who will be sentence, Suhail, can la- can make you. you know like land up with 10 FIRs you're sitting in delhi you're sitting in a noida studio and the FIRs are in calcutta the FIR is in jaipur but you know that now has the, to stop now the clubbing has happened thanks to the courts but that's after a jaddojahed i know of several uh, anchors what do you do it's a live debate right it happens this way and that way and for you just let a sentence go by because how much can you concentrate no no and it's unfair this yeah. whole FIR business You see, we cannot use the justice system for pernicious purposes. Justice, you must read this brilliant book. I know he's part of the right-wing cancel culture, but read a book called "The Idea of Justice" by Amartya Sen. Hmm. In that, only one statement is very relevant to what you and I are saying. He says, "Ultimately, justice is about fairness, hmm. and there's a difference between niti and nyay. Hmm. Niti is when Smitha goes to court." 
Nyai is what she receives at the hands of the court. Hmm. So there's no point saying her Smita has been to the Supreme Court. What has the Supreme Court given her in terms of fairness? Hmm. And ultimately, justice is about fairness. So when you and I discuss all this, this whole FIR business, we have to understand that are these FIRs actually solving either a legal issue? Are they addressing an illegality that I may have committed? Or is it pure harassment? It is pressure tactic. So if it's harassment or pressure tactic, it's sad. I mean, I was uh, sued for 800 crores uh, by a particular company because I said something on Twitter. It's another matter that uh, it got sorted or, you know, went away. So I'm saying we cannot allow ourselves to be prisoners of a pernicious justice system. And that should not be the reason for you to be gagged. Yeah. But again, uh, you could probably do an out-of-court settlement or you'd have a lawyer who can help you with, you know, with discussing with the client or you can you can even go to court and you can battle it out. But what happens to an employee, you own your company, but what happens to an employee is that the boss turns around Absolutely. and says, what do you Tread the line which is the cautious line. You know, so this is what is going to happen with journalism. Unfortunately, you now will have, like, you know, it happened about 30 years ago where you had the, the marketing team sitting in editorial, deciding on the pages. Correct. The same way now you have the legal team sitting out there to see what can go and what can't But that's can't sad, go. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. Yeah. So, you know, these are the, the pitfalls of where yeah. journalism is heading towards. Anyway, interesting talking to you, Suhail. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much for giving us your time. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you for watching or listening in to ANI Podcast with Smita Prakash. That was an interview with Suhail Seth. If you liked what you saw, then please like and subscribe in whichever platform you saw this or heard this. Namaste. Jai Hind. Jai Hind.